This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So again, welcome to New Church Live. You know, I, I, it's just fun to, just a reminder, you know, a lot of churches actually take this Sunday off because again, attendance is so low and we, we always like to have it because I, I love to be a place where, where a first time attendee can come. And I, I uh, you know, it's a little like a restaurant. Imagine showing up at a restaurant that you're all excited because you heard something about and you go there and it's closed. And that's a downer. And so I really appreciate everybody being here. I appreciate the team being here. And I was just out there in the lobby, and two first-time people walked in. I'm not going to embarrass them and say who they are, but I'm glad they're here. And I'm glad all of you folks are here today as well. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about this. Can we all say this together? No, you missed the little first. Wow. Let's try it again. I hope. We're going to talk about I hope. Like, what does it mean? I hope. I hope for these things. And, and what does it really mean to look at life from a place of hope? Knowing that life is very broken a lot of the time. And what I want to do is I want to sort of set the tone for you to start out with. And I'd ask you to think of hope sort of as being able to turn on a light switch. When that light switch goes on, we can smile and we can be in a place of a lot of joy. So let's start just, just setting the tone. I want to show you a video, a very fun one, that's about turning on that switch of hope. Take a look. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Tonight, we're going to use some simple lights to create an awesome surprise. When a random New Yorker flips the switch, turn your lights on and freeze in place.
That was a fun little video, and just that idea of, of like light, and, and that don't you love the little kids? Who, of course, somebody eventually goes like, "Let's turn it on and off really fast," you know. I, you lo I love that, and I love that idea that, that when we can start to come from a position of I hope, and we're going to look at what that means. When we start to come there, it really does allow light to light up in very unique ways. So, what I want to do first is I want to hear from you folks from this question. What would it be like to live a hope-shaped life for you in 2016? Like, when you're thinking in 2016, and this is a little bit beyond just what I hope for, you know, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth kind of stuff. Like, what would, what would it look like if your life was really shaped by hope in 2016? What would that really look like for you? What I'd ask you to do is you're welcome to share that with a neighbor. For our online audience, we have a lot of people who join us online. You're welcome to text that into me. Just think about this question. What would it be like to live a hope-shaped life in 2016? Please share. All right, folks, so I'm going to come back to those answers in, in the second half, so I make sure you have time to, to get them in. It is, it is kind of interesting, right? Like, what would it be like to live a life shaped like hope? And it's, 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 there's a bunch of answers to it. And, and one of the ones I was thinking of a little bit in a conversation I had last week was with, with somebody who, who, had a, who was in a 12-step program. In other words, they were an addict. And, and they said, you know, that they used to come into the rooms, they used to come in to get help, and they, they, they offered this quote, I used to hope for a miracle, now I count on it. Isn't that interesting? Now I count on it. Different kind of miracle, right? It's, it's not a miracle of, again, like, i winning the lottery. It's a different kind of hope, a different kind of miracle, a different kind of way to actually be. And the problem is this with hope. And I love this phrase by Gregory Boyle, and I think all of us can deal with this. I'm going to have you say the H word at the end. The problem is a lot of us struggle with the lethal absence of, the lethal absence of hope. You know, we, we see life and we understand the fragility of it and the, and the challenges of it. And so we can really get to a point where we sort of get ground down. And then we can struggle a great deal with the lethal absence of hope. And that's where I want to shift gears. So here's where we want to be. That, the part where we actually can, can figure out ways, and now's a good time to do it, to live a hope-shaped life. I mean, what a better New Year's resolution than losing weight. Right? Like, maybe, maybe that can be our resolution. So, so here's where we want to go. And over on the other hand is our challenge, with it, which is the lethal absence of hope. And what is it that, that, that God has to tell us about that? Has to tell us about making that shift into a place where we can actually learn to live deeply in hope, hope-shaped life. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about the year of Jubilee. So I'd ask us all to say that, that phrase with me together. The year of Jubilee. Let's say it one more time. The year of Jubilee. This was this ancient, ancient Jewish tradition going back to the very beginnings of the Bible, going back thousands of years, thousands of years even before Christ arrives, before the first Christmas. And the year of Jubilee was, was this idea that Every seven years, you had these special things happen, and then seven, seven is considered this very sort of auspicious holy number. Seven times seven is 49. So every 49th year, 49th year, you'd have something called the year of, the year of Jubilee. 
And it was to be said with a smile, like the year of Jubilee. You know, I'm a history teacher. And a lot of slaves after the Civil War, they said it finally arrived that when the Civil War ended, this was the year of Jubilee because they had gained their freedom. Because they'd gained their freedom. Think about that. It was to be a year where all of a sudden all the debts were canceled, literally and figuratively, and we sort of reset. We reset with great joy for a new year, a year of Jubilee that was to be based around freedom. Now, this is what the, the Bible has to say about this. Now, now Christ, I've got to give you the, the context here. So Christ was born in Bethlehem, and then he gets raised in Nazareth. And when he gets raised in Nazareth, he's not a terribly popular person in Nazareth. Uh, and I'm going to read the story real quickly for you and interject a few parts. But that's kind of the context of it. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So in other words, he's going around, he's teaching in different churches, and he has, he's starting to get this, this immense following of people. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, on a, on a Saturday, on a Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He was a good church-going boy. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And this is where we're going to talk about the year of Jubilee. So so you can imagine that, folks. Like, here's this guy, and all of a sudden, he's sort of the hometown hero. He's famous. He's got lots of people who are following him now. They know about him. He's preaching in different places. He's healing. He goes back to his hometown church. and, And he starts to read. And he could have picked anything. But what he chooses to pick is where Isaiah, thousands of years before, had talked about the year of Jubilee. And this is what it says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. I'm going to have you say the yellow words there. Preach the gospel to the the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That is, that is just such beautiful stuff. And then it goes on and he says, and he closed the book, closed the scroll, gave it to the minister, sat down, and the eyes of all of that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Again, like all the things he could have read, and he said, look, this is the year. This is the year. Year of Jubilee, you're free. This is the year you're free. And I'm here to say that you are free. That is the good news that I am proclaiming. And you think of the people who were bound up with blindness. You think of the people who were bound up with a broken heart. You think of the people who were blinded and and, and challenged with all kinds of deformities and, and all kinds of challenges. And here he is saying, look, you're free. And here's a presence to heal. And you can look forward to this year with hope. It's a year of jubilee. Beautiful, beautiful, poetic scripture there. What's interesting about this, folks, as as you look at these lines, and think about this as the band comes out. You think about a hope-shaped life. Like, how do we create that hope-shaped life? And here, Christ is saying, well, this is how you do it. And notice the words that he uses. Like blind, brokenhearted, 
you know, he, he uses a lot of these words that are a really interesting way to proclaim it. And they, they come from Isaiah. But it's this wonderful combination of I hope and vulnerability. Interesting. When we come back, I want to talk about how vulnerability, hope, and invulnerability, how those different things can work in our mind, and how we might choose to see it a little bit differently in 2016. You know, that, that idea of I hope, that, that's big. I, it was, when I was out in the audience, I talked to one person who said, what would it be like to live a hope-shaped life? And he would say, he said, living totally differently than I do right now. And I thought, amen, brother. You know, it really can be this, this revolutionary thing when we start to see life in a very different way. I want to share with you some of the answers that, that, uh, that people gave. Uh, yeah, I got, got too many to read, but um, I'll go through a number of them. Uh, a focus on positives with peace on earth and living vulnerably. That's up in New York. One filled with peace and love, giving back to those in need. Living with passion and confidence. A continuation. This is beautiful. We live with hope every day. That's from Michigan. Real. From Pittsburgh. The rest is props and scenery. Hope requires faith. Faith requires belief. Less anxiety and fear. More faith. If we can all see through the eyes of a blind person, everyone looks the same. Tag bonnet. That's good. Seeing the positive before seeing the worry. I would love myself more if I lived a hope-shaped life. I would give up being perfect. From Chicago, a hope-shaped life would feel like nothing is impossible. That's big. That's big. I wouldn't worry. Energizing. What would it be? It would be about time. Long overdue. Living the right way. Those are beautiful lines, folks, about what, what hope can really start to look like. And I, and I think the challenge of it, right, is that, that we kind of stand between two places. So here I stand, and, and I know that hope, but I think, I think most people sort of harbor the same hope. And yet we're kind of torn two directions. We're torn when we look at something that, that with a vulnerability, do we embrace that, or do we embrace invulnerability? Here's one way to look at it. Do we seek to inhabit that vulnerability? Look at these words here, folks. Just what Christ said here. This is the year of Jubilee. This is from Isaiah. Do we seek to inhabit that vulnerability? And again, we're talking year of Jubilee. This year there was to be this wonderful, raucous celebration. And Christ said, look, if you're going to do that, you got to get that, yeah, you're going to have to embrace poor, brokenhearted, captive, blind, and bruised. Or do we seek to create do we seek to escape it by creating structures that are invulnerable? Pretty tough. And I, and I feel like if you're like me, and I imagine many of you this will resonate with, you know, there's, there's a part of my brain in each camp. There's a part that's totally able to get, yeah, I have to be around places that are vulnerable. And there's a part like, oh, man, Lord, I just want an invulnerable life. Just one little winning lottery ticket, Lord. That's all I need. You know what I mean there? You know, does that make sense? Right? We, we want a vulnerability. We, 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 don't, we don't really like to feel vulnerable. So I'm going to come over here and sit. And I want to talk about invulnerability for a minute. And then I want to talk about vulnerability over at this side. So invulnerability. I, I think invulnerability, folks, it's, it's the biggest challenge is this. I'm going to have you say the L word there. Invulnerability is based on a, based on a lie. It's based on the idea that, that you are unconnected to the rest of the world. In other words, you are totally 
absolutely, you're going to fill in the blank here, you are totally and absolutely, begins with A, ends with alone, you are totally and absolutely alone. Totally, absolutely alone. Totally isolated. New church theology says, you know, that's hell's whole game. It's getting you to believe that you're totally alone. All sin, actually one author put it this way, all sin starts with that basic idea that you're alone, that you are disconnected. Interesting way to sort of hold, hold sin, right? So we're alone, we're disconnected. And then it goes on from that and saying, and the world is a very threatening place. There's no point in having hope for the world. There's none. Matter of fact, you shouldn't go to the world with a feeling of hope. You should get that the future of the world is totally hope. It's totally hopeless. And any of you guys have heard this all before. Any change you're trying to make is just rearranging furniture on the Titanic. You know, it's, it's, we, we might as well just give up and, and, you know, just take care of me, myself, and I. And that's it. So, so I'm not worried about building bridges. I'm only concerned about building walls. This can be very appealing, especially in times where there's so much, and I want to be clear here, where there's so much legitimate fear out there in the world. Very legitimate. And there, there are a place for, for things that protect us, etc. There is a place for walls of sorts. But we need to be careful that we don't fall in love with them. Because life just is never invulnerable. It just isn't. I, I, I think about like, um, you know, a little aside, you know, we all have that little geeky dream, right? That little geeky Christmas present that we want. I collect World War II stuff, so I want a little World War II army jeep. And if any of you get it for me next Christmas, you will be my favorite. So, so I go online and I'm, I'm looking at this stuff and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's people selling other like old military vehicles. And on occasion you get somebody who's selling what, what they call a bug out vehicle, which means when Armageddon happens, you're going to pile the whole family in the back of an armored van and just take off into the desert or something. I, I can understand, you know, the fear that would drive that. I can understand. I have days, 9-11, uh, San Bernardino, I have the days where that really does seem like, yeah, we should do that. But you see, where would you be escaping to? I, I know my family lasts about six hours in an enclosed space together. I don't want to spend months on end like Mad Max driving around the desert with them. Love them to pieces. See, it, it's tough, right? Like, and, and this is something, folks, that we, we literally, like, we have to wrestle with this. I mean, really wrestle with it. Not just sort of platitude and this, that, and the other thing. There's so many different perspectives. They all deserve hearing. And they all deserve to be part of this very conversation. Is invulnerability possible or not? I don't know. But I know it seems like a very important conversation if we're going to live with hope. Because if I live trying to make my life completely invulnerable, I quickly move away from hope and quickly close down my circle smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, that's for me. Maybe someone else out there can do it differently. That's, that's how I kind of work. My, my, my sad brain works. There are other options to this. There are other ways of maybe seeing out there into the world. Now I want to step over here to the other side. Actually, I'm going to take my chair over there. Sit over here for a minute. 
That's this idea of vulnerability. Now, the vulnerability piece, take a look at this slide here. Vulnerability, this is a beautiful thing that I was reading on it. I want you to say those three yellow words. Let's just say those together. Ready? Connectedness, openness, risk. And if you want to remember that, just think of that as your core. Yes, it's misspelled. Yes, core has an E on the end of it, but I couldn't come up with anything better, so deal with it. Just, just go with core, all right? Like, what if that was our core? Connectedness, openness, and risk. Understanding connectedness of all things. First one, understanding connectedness of all things. Embracing our common lot. Pointing to the common good. Grounded in mercy. So, so I can sit over here with vulnerability and can start with connectedness. And this second one is very important. And, and I have, you know, I have some members of the congregation come right to the front of my mind when I read this. Willing to exercise openness. An openness that is a blessing and a, and a curse. Something to be honored, not controlled. If you're going to be really open, if you're an open person, it is a blessing and also it is a, it is a curse. Do you know what I mean? Can anybody say amen out there? <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, you're going to be an open, you're going to try to practice openness. It will. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It, it really will have struggles with it. Like it is this blessing and it is this curse at the same time. So we know we love connectedness. We know openness has a plus side and a minus side. That means are we willing to take a risk? A risk. So vulnerability is a risk we can bear as we become increasingly sensitive to the other. So this vulnerability bit. We just finished up Advent. You know, the, the four weeks of Advent actually, actually culminated with the fifth candle. And, and we looked at, at the candles of Advent, and we talked about hope, peace, love, and joy. And, and those kind of being the four candles of Advent. Now, one of the challenges with Christmas, I think, is, is, is that we, we look at Christmas, and then our next big task, what's our next big task to do with all our Christmas decorations, probably starting in about a week? What's our next big task? Is to pack it all up, Right? We tend to think of that with Christmas, like Christmas is over, let me pack it away till next year. I want to challenge you to think of it differently. Maybe think of not, not doing that, not packing Christmas up. Maybe think about unpacking Christmas more and more and more. Not packing it up, but unpacking it more and more and more. I think we do that when we embrace vulnerability. I think that's what Christ is asking us to do here. Somehow, if we embrace vulnerability, we understand that, that if we're going to exercise lives of, of hope, love, peace, and joy, that it will require of us a certain level of vulnerability. Connected lives, open lives, and lives that are willing to actually take that risk. That's not easy to do. And it doesn't mean that we preclude things that maybe help to create protections in our world. It's not about saying that's bad and this is good. It's about sort of transcending and including. It's about understanding those things have their place, those worries and those concerns, because it is important for us to take care of things. But, but this needs to be the basic orientation 
the force vector, as it will. Little Star Wars thing there. A little force vector, as it were, that, that will help us to move forward. And this is not easy. See, this is not just simple platitudes of hope. This is actually the work of hope. And it's actually the work of Advent. And it's the work of instead of just packing it up and saying, oh, wasn't that nice, see you next year, where we continue to unpack it throughout the entire year. I think that's what Christ wanted people to hear. I think that's what he wanted people to hear. I think that's why he closes it with this line from Luke. He goes through it all to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then on the next slide, notice the yellow part. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. I think there's a way in which when we start to really actually hear that, that uh, it, 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 just, it just starts to shift stuff. Like when we can really hear that, when we can really let it in, that that is the way to go. And, it, it, and it's really challenging. But you look at the life of Christ, he's consistently taking positions of vulnerability out there in the world. It's a very empowered vulnerability. It's a very empowered Vulnerability. It's just like, I forget who, which one of you wise people said it, you know, but if I live in true hope, you know, I know that I can't fail. I think that's the kind, of, the kind of perspective and the kind of courage that Christ was coming from. And I think we all need that. See, I know the way 2016 is going to go for you. Can I show you 2016 in five slides? All right, this is the way 2016 is going to look for you. You're going to have some days where like the road is like that. Straight, narrow, a clear shot. It's beautiful. Of course, some of us are neurotic. I saw that and I thought, where's the gas station? (laughs) All right, but some days will be like that. Other days, the road's going to be a little bit bumpy. Like, Lord, this isn't quite what I had in mind. This is a little bumpy. This is, this is not smooth. This is not highway. I'm only going 10 miles per hour. What's up with that? Other days will look like this. I think I could have shot that a couple of days ago. You know, foggy. Like, poo, I'm just in a fog. Don't know where I am. Not sure what exactly is going on. Other days will be like this. Anybody currently experiencing a detour? (laughs) You know, we we have like our road and all of a sudden we come, we think we're going this direction, all of a sudden like here's a big detour. Could be health, relationship, any number of things. The, The road that we had planned is no longer the road. And we're asked to take a detour, local traffic only. And some days will be like this. A little bit on the scary side. Not quite sure what's going on. That's the way this year is going to go, folks. I want to disavow you of any belief that the year year is just going to be one long, straight, and narrow. It's not going to be. It's going to have all those different facets to it. Yet how can we find hope? Hope that's like this. Once you say the A word there. Hope transcends the world that is immediately experienced and is... 
anchored somewhere beyond its horizon. I think that's what Christ is constantly saying. You know, you, you look at that last... Actually, Stephen, can we flip back to the last slide here? Sorry for that. I, I think hope is right in the darkness there. It's, it's, it's that thing that's just right outside, and it, and it anchors us. It's, it's what kind of... It doesn't explain the road or, or tell you what the journey is, but what it does, it's, it's, it's this thing that continues to pull us forward. Does that make sense? You know, it's, it's like if I can stay in hope, I can, I can anchor my life, and my life can start to be pulled through into different ways. See, because here becomes the secret. Here becomes the secret. You are on the road. You are not the road. I want to say that again. You are on the road. You are not the road. So when, when our life, when we go through those real bumpy times, those, those, the, where the road's all bumpy, we think, oh my goodness, my life is really bumpy. <laughs> you know, where we go through a dark time, like my life is really dark right now. I think hope, hope anchors us, hope anchors us somewhere beyond that. We're able to go, yeah, you know what, that is the way it feels. From a new church perspective, there's an external person and an internal person. Our external personhood is highly vulnerable. Highly vulnerable. It, it gets diseased. It gets let down. It, it gets panicked. It gets fearful. All of those things are very true. That's kind of our external life. Can we just take a minute, breathe, and add an and. Add an and. That and is I am on the road, but I'm not the road. I'm not the road. There's something in my heart much more deeply anchored. Do you guys get how beautiful that is? Much more deeply anchored. And see, do anchors work when the waters are still? Can you anchor a boat when the waters are still? Yes or no? Yeah. Can you anchor a boat when the waters are choppy? <laughs> yeah. Anchor doesn't care. Anchor knows that this too shall pass. An anchor knows that if we embrace that vulnerability somehow, some way, in ways I can't explain because I'm not that good with words, but somehow if we embrace that vulnerability, if we embrace that vulnerability, somehow we find the year of Jubilee. Somehow we find something that is so wildly and incredibly different. A presence of God in our heart that is completely invulnerable. But it's a totally new kind of invulnerability. It, it, sh it shifted that whole dang carpet over there. It's an invulnerability because I know that in a certain sense, I can't ever fail and either can you. It's a sense that knows that, yeah, I'm going to try my best and I'm going to fail and we're going to fail and there's going to be tons of failures in this year and sometimes I, didn't, I won't be able to understand the road. And I, it just it moves me away from worrying about, listen carefully here, it w moves me personally as your pastor away from worrying about failure. Instead, to just living anchored in hope around the impact that I can make, that you can make, that we can make. Impact. 
very different than, than trying to be all worried about failure. Because if I'm all worried about failure, I'm only going to want to stay in that invulnerable place. And I need to redefine that somehow so that I can bring the two together. And I love the way one of the members of our sermon writing team put it together. Reverend Teresa Huber, who she, she joins us from out of Pittsburgh, she's joining us today. She sent a note. What is a life shaped like hope? It's a life shaped by, say the R word there, a life shaped by radical trust in the divine goodness of the gift that is our life. It's a radical trust. Listen to me carefully here. Please listen carefully, especially those of you who are struggling, which means everybody. (laughs) Your life is good. Your life is good. You are a good person. God smiles when he looks at you. He told me that. Start in that place, that radical trust. Yes, there is going to be all these places where fears exist on this external plane, where we are completely vulnerable, but in a way, you know, we, we, can, we can allow those things to start to actually move us in, totally reshaping these, move us back into a place where we understand vulnerability so much more. And here's a miracle too. Instead of doing it alone, Building walls, we build bridges. And what do we do? We build it. This should give you chills. We build it together. We build it together. Community. A whole new way of hoping. Not just an individual I hope, but a cosmic we hope. Shouted out into the universe, giving a new paradigm. I mean, that's what Christianity is yearning to give to this world. And if we can do that, what starts to awaken in our life? I can tell who's seen Star Wars and who hasn't. (laughs) The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, that's it. You know, and I think, you know, you look at Star Wars, like it feels sort of obligated. You got to say something about it because it's a deeply spiritual movie, actually. You know, and, and I think we love Star Wars because we know how it ends. Like I just saw the most recent one and I know how the trilogy's going to go. I know how it's all going to, and, and some of it will flip and not to, not to royal the, not to ruin the, uh, the plot, but on this one, instead of the boy gets the girl, it's the girl gets the boy. Again, it's 2015. What do you expect? So, so you, you know, yeah, we'll have we'll have some shifts like that, but some plot twists. But but it's still the basic story. We can live life with hope. That the arc of justice, as Martin Luther King said, is wide and it bends to justice. You know what can we do in 2016? Going to have you say that J word again. And what can we do in 2016? We can make a decision. Let's say it loud. That this will be the year of Jubilee. Can we say that again? That this will be the year of Jubilee. Blessings on 2016. I'd ask you now to please join me in prayer. I'm going to offer a prayer. Then you'll have your opportunity to say your own prayer. Have a moment of quiet meditation. 
or say the Lord's Prayer as you know it. Please join me. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to embrace a year of Jubilee. A year, Lord, seven times seven. A year, Lord, of completeness and fullness. A year, Lord, where we learn to embrace vulnerability and we learn to redefine what invulnerability looks like. A year, Lord, where we get to settle down into our deepest, truest, God-given selves. A radical trust, a radical trust that we will find you. We'll find you there. Deep within those remains stored from childhood, Lord, deep within those memories, deep within that innocence, deep within that place held by the angels, held by angels. Today, here, and now. Allow us, Lord, to go forth from that place, anchored in that spot, Lord, moving forward from there with great joy and purpose out into our lives. A year. A year jubilee. Jubilation. A great hope. Stir that in all our broken hearts in 2016. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.